Welcome to God Shots, December 10th, 2020. 2020. 2020. Let's pretend it's a year. Anyway, I'm so happy that Darlene Sperlaza is with me again, my co-host and partner in, partner in God Shots. And we'd love to talk about what's going on in your life, but mainly what's going on in the world right now and what good news is happening, what good things are happening. Always look for the good and the beauty and that will grow. So Darlene, you have something cool to tell us. I do, I do. I wanted to share this. You know, I've had some thoughts since we did our last podcast. And I was thinking when people get on the journey regarding God and the God shots, at least for me, I didn't even know what that was. I had no idea what was happening. I had no idea what those God shots meant. And so as I was thinking about coming on with you again, Lydia, I, I thought about a couple things because I had an amazing God shot this past week that I want to share with everybody that's going to be listening to this. But to start, this is the first thing I want to say. When I was 27 years old, I had my first God shot. And I had no idea what that God shot was about. I don't know if I've shared it on a previous podcast. So if I did, for those of you that are just joining, you're here for the first time. If I've told it before, just bear with me because it's part of the story. But when I was 27 and I was having um, a lot of things come up in my life that I was confused about, I didn't feel well, anxiety was causing so much of that for me, but I didn't know that we can create our own health or wellness, really, by what we're thinking. And, and like you said, we, we need to focus on the good and the positive. And so when I walked into this doctor's office and this little tiny 80-year-old woman asked to see me. And I was in the doctor's office out of town. Like I shouldn't have known anybody. Nobody should have known me. And the doctor said, there's a lady in room two that would like to see you. So I was like, it can't be me because I'm not from here. And he goes, well, it's you. And he walked away. So I go back and I knock on the door for, for room two. And this lady says, come in. And I opened and I said, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know you. I have the wrong room. And she goes, oh, no, honey, come in. You have the right room. And I walked in and she proceeded to tell me she was a visionary. Well, I had no idea what a visionary was. I, I didn't have a clue. And so I just kind of stood there and I told her, I said, I don't know what that means. And so she said, I get visions from God and he has me go and talk to people to bring messages. And she goes, this morning I saw you and he wanted me to give you a message that he loves you and that you're fine and that you'll be fine. And I just kind of stood there and she said, can I pray with you? And I was like, okay. So she took my hands, she held my hands, and she started praying. And when she was praying, my feet got very, very hot, like almost like stepping on hot coals. And then it just kind of moved up through my body. And I had no idea what was happening to me. I was actually kind of scared. So for anybody out there that has had something unique or weird, however you want to look at it, happen, and you kind of get scared, I mean, I did, right? And um, so when it was all over and that warmth had come out through the top of my head and I'm just standing there and I'm, I, I didn't know what she did with me. And I said to her, I said, I'm not sure what just happened, but why did I get real hot? And she smiled real nice. And she just said, honey, that's the Holy Spirit that moved you through you. Wow. So that was my first encounter really with a God shot. And I didn't even know what that meant. Right. Yeah. And so this week, the God shot I had, I certainly know all these years later, what this means. And so I want to share with you guys how time develops someone, how God never goes away, 
how these God shots are so valuable. How come Lydia and I are doing this because we want to share not only our God shots, but to hear yours because it's so fabulous. And so what happened this week was this. So last, and, and you know, I'm human. I do all the same things that everybody else in the world goes through, right? So last Wednesday, I had worked like 12 hours. I was exhausted and I just had personal things just like all of us do. And about eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I decided I'm just gonna go ride around look at Christmas lights. I just need to breathe, right? So I go out and I get in my Jeep and I'm waiting. I have a Wrangler, which is really just fun to like kind of kick around in. And so I was just gonna go get an ice cream cone, kick around, look at lights. I got in my garage and I just started crying. I was in the Jeep. And I, I couldn't quit crying. I mean, hysterically crying for like 20 minutes and nothing was wrong and everything was wrong. And I'm sure people can understand that feeling. So anyway, after about 20 minutes, I cried myself out. I couldn't breathe. I just decided, forget it. I'm just going to go to bed. So I go to bed. I wake up at four o'clock on Thursday morning and I hear this little voice. It's like 4 a.m. It says, go to mass. I said, yeah, I guess. So I went to mass. It turned out it was um, confession. And so at the end of mass, I went to confession because in the Catholic religion, for those that don't know, um, you just kind of go in and you talk to the priest and you can do it face-to-face -face or not face-to-face -face and kind of talk about just what's wrong and what you think you've sinned. And, and, and you know, he gives you absolution. So anyway, I kind of did it really quick and it was like, I'm angry, I'm fearful, I'm emotional, I'm not in faith, I don't know what's wrong and why I'm being like this and why I think my life should be different than what it is. And he's like, well, you're in the right place because here you are and this is good. And he's like, so for your penance, I would like for you to ask God to give you one scripture. Okay, so I did. And he said, it may take a day or two, but you'll get your scripture. And I swear to you guys, this is the truth. I leave my cell phone in my car because I don't want it to ever ring in church. So I go out and I see a message from a man that I, that the last message I received from him was October 2nd of 2020. So a few months back and there's a message from this guy and I opened the message and it said, good morning, Darlene. The scripture verse is Isaiah 41:10. That is all his message said. <laughs> and I looked at that and I was like, what is that? What is that verse? And so I looked it up and basically just a quick rendition of what it says. It says, fear not, do not be dismayed for I am your God and I am with you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm. And I read that and what a miracle that was for me because I knew God had seen my tears. I knew that he was telling me he's here. And so during these times that seem difficult and trying and confusing and as COVID's flaring again and people are trying to get ready for the holidays and we just don't have any idea what's coming next we know that god is with us we know that the universe has us because time and time again these god shots have happened to me and i'm sure they have to others wow. so I kind of open this up and have this conversation that was it I love that one. Oh my god so it was almost identical thing you heard from when you went into mask, right? Yes. It was yes. the identical, oh, that is a complete God shot. Okay, God shot is, for those who don't know, and, and the non-religious part of, part of this is it's synchronicity, but it's that uncanny coincidence that makes chills go down your spine, and you wonder, wow, there is something more going on here. It can't be random. 
They happen to me at the most opportune moments or inopportune moments. And they always set me back on path. It's really bizarre how quickly they can happen. Yes. And I immediately feel that, and I always, they always happen when I'm in a state of, more of a state of surrender. I'm not saying you have to be perfect to get them at all. In fact, in fact, when you're the most sad is when the Holy Spirit or when God is closest to us, when we're, when we're crying and grieving. Mm -hmm. uh, on Monday night, I lost one of my best friends in the world. Oh. A woman that I met on a Hallmark prayer chain 20, maybe 20 years ago. We don't know when we exactly met, but for some bizarre reason, way back in 2000, and it might have been 2002 or three, I, start, I saw this email chain come forward from Hallmark Channel. And I was thinking of writing a Christmas movie, and I was becoming a writer at the time. And it was from Josie Butler, and she said she'd written books. And she was the firefighter's wife who lost her husband in the line of fire, firefighter. And she, we just started having a pen pal correspondence for years. And a couple of years into our relationship of just writing back and forth to each other and encouraging each other, she, um, she said she had cancer, bladder, lymph, and lung cancer. She got all three in those early years. And she was a family, a, a family of 11 children and all her brothers and sisters, several of them had died of cancer already. And she was in her 60s when I met her and I was raising little boys at home and I kind of quit acting temporarily to become an act, to become a writer. And I remember saying, I'm gonna pray with you. We're gonna pray every day about your cancer. And I hired a prayer practitioner whom I use quite often in metaphysics prayer. It's the kind of prayer that starts with all is all, God is all in all. There's no opposing force to good. And if you, you stop giving evil so much power, good is all there is, a, a God of goodness would not create evil or sickness. So if he didn't create it, it's bogus. And that's the way they pray. They don't see, they pray the way Christ taught us to pray, which is not to give power to evil. And she was healed almost instantly from this cancer. It went into remission for years. And it was one of those amazing things. And then she had a, God, I love her to pieces. She's one of my favorite humans on the planet. And I've known her for so many years and she's gone through several bouts of cancer. They've all gone into remission and she lived longer than anyone in her family. And she claims it's because of her faith. And her granddaughter who lived in the house next door had lupus at the time and couldn't leave the house and was incapacitated with brand new baby and a little toddler at home. And the same prayer practitioner called her and talked to her every day and talked her out of her illness. She's now thriving, went out of the house eight months later, has a huge career in radio. And this is a very tight-knit family in Lincoln, Nebraska. I've only met her once. I got to go back to Nebraska for the Big Red Challenge. It's a disabled veteran relay. It's an Olympic challenge for, for veterans who are disabled and have you know, one leg. And it's amazing we did this event. And I flew over the Big Red Stadium, Nebraska Stadium, in a GoPro helicopter. So it was a big charity event, and I got to see her then, and I met with her and family. And it felt like we were related. I almost feel like she's my family. And I just, the past three weeks, they put her in hospice because she had a setback. She was told two years ago she'd have six months to live from another bout of cancer. Mm -hmm. And she lived two extra years. She's lived 20 years longer than she was supposed to. But all this time, we were trying to get a, a book she wrote. She wrote several books, A Victim in Harm's Way, about her 
an abusive marriage after her husband died, the love of her life. Um, the heart of a, the the heart book is about her husband, and then one called "When It Rings True" about how she decided to stand up to cancer and not let it in the door. And it's a beautiful book about so many people in her family died of cancer. It's almost unbelievable that she was the only one through mm -hmm. constant prayer. But just Monday night, Sunday, they called me from hospice and said she just wants to see you. And I went on Facetime. I was decorating the, putting lights outside the house. And I got to say goodbye to her and I didn't know she'd leave this soon. I really kept thinking it's gonna turn around again. You know, she's in her eighties, but Monday night they called and said she went to the Lord, she's in heaven now. And I felt three days now, I've just sort of been mourning in a, in a, in a way of just remembering her and loving her. And I went up to the top of the mountain over here in the city, looking over the whole city and the sun was setting and I, I played the soundtrack to Hamilton for some reason, and I just sort of wept and prayed and just had a beautiful moment above the world, looking at the beauty of the world. And we don't never know how much time we have, so we really do have to make the most of this very moment we're in. That's correct. Yes. And for the God shots, which are the coincidences and the uncanny, the beautiful moments and the signs that there's hope in life. And the more we focus on controversy and stress and politics, we can't see it. We're blinded. It's almost like a veil comes over us or, or a shadow moves in front of the sun. But the sun is yeah. always there, you know? That's very true. And, you know, it, when we lose people like that, I've always been told that now they become angels for us in heaven. Yes. You know? Yeah. And... Um, I had a situation like that with my sister-in-law that passed away. She was extremely young. She was 35 and she died of cancer. And one of the things, one of the unique things that happened, her name was Michelle, um, was I was in Myrtle Beach and the strangest thing happened. It was in October and her sign was always a butterfly. She had a butterfly tattooed on her foot and that was kind of like her symbol. You know, I always thought about Michelle as a butterfly, you know, and just transformation and all of that. And she had passed away in June and I went to Myrtle Beach in October. And so not a lot of people were there. It was really off season. And I was just kind of setting out on the deck enjoying a, a, a nice day. And this woman was about three chairs down from me. It was only us two out on this whole patio place. And all of a sudden, it was like butterflies started coming into my realm. Not one, but like a few, right? And they're landing on the chairs next to me, and I'm watching this. And then it was like a, a herd. I don't know what you call a lot of butterflies. <laughs> and I mean, they were all herd. <laughs> herd. I don't know what you call them. I'm sure that somebody that under that studies butterflies. Or a swarm or a flock. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there was blue and yellow and white and black and orange and they were just everywhere and this lady that was down there she got up and she's looking around and she goes do you see all these butterflies and i'm like yeah and they were just everywhere for the whole entire three days that i was in myrtle beach there were butterflies just explosive everywhere and the day that i was leaving i was at a pancake house in the morning before i was getting on the plane to come back to pittsburgh and this one butterfly was around my car kind of going like this and I told my husband at the time, I said, I need to go back to that beach. I want to see all those butterflies. And I went back to the beach where, you know, where the condo was located before we were going to the airport and there was no butterflies. And that one butterfly 
kind of flew past my face like in a circle and I just watched it go up over the building and then it was gone. Wow. And I was, I got cold chills. Oh my God. You ever know? And so it was just like, so I know that, I, I mean, I know the heaviness and the sadness with, with death of somebody close to you. And I also know that when you kind of feel their presence and that excitement that you get, and you just know that you know that you've had a visit, you know? Okay, the theme of this show then has to be called After Death or, or af After Death Godshots. I don't like the word death at all, frankly, um, because I actually believe, I can't believe you said butterfly. That's the one thing I see more than anything else, but I had a best friend who died two years ago suddenly. One of my other best friends, a male, who I loved and adored, and he was, he always said to me, I'm gonna come back as a bumblebee and sting you. I'm not gonna be a butterfly. He was always ornery and he was like, Kind of an atheist, he didn't like to talk about God, but I always teased him a lot. On Christmas Eve, we talked for a couple hours in 2017, and I said, call me tomorrow. And he says, oh, you know, bah humbug, I don't like Christmas. And he always calls me on Christmas. He didn't call. And I thought, he's just playing a game with me. He didn't call the next day. I called him over and over and over. I finally called the police and they found him. He'd fallen off the bed. He was taking care of his mother, who was 93 in Long Beach and he had fallen off the bed and had a heart attack oh. and he was deceased and it was just a horrifying and then when I found out I, I went outside and I just cried and a bumblebee in the middle of winter on New Year's Day, what, what December 24, 25th, was all around my head all day. It was like, what? I kept moving it around and going, it's Michael. <laughs> it's just the sense of humor that this yeah. has. And then yes. later that day, an odd thing happened. These signs are interesting. They're fun. Um, a rainbow appeared on my wall through the window. And I've had that before, but never quite this big. And it stayed there all day like a painting. And I tried to stand in front of it. It was still there. This is really weird. And I took pictures of it. It was like a piece of art. Because he, he knew I loved rainbows. Every time we were together, I'd point out a rainbow or I'd go gaga over rainbows. Yeah. And, and you know what I have, I've had rainbow God shots and, and, you know, I realized that, that this isn't all about God, but my, my base is a lot in Christianity and in the Bible. Although I have grown into, I read everything um, because I've written a chapter about spirituality in a nursing textbook. So I have researched everything, whether it's Hinduism, okay. um, Islam, Christianity, it doesn't matter because all of it leads to the higher power, all of it, all of it. So, but so what, what you're saying about the rainbows and going back to the Bible piece where it's the rainbow covenant yeah. that, that talk about there. And when my son lost his, um, this is, this was kind of sad. My son had a best friend who was diagnosed with pancreatic stage four cancer at the age of 14, 13, 13, oh, God. And 13 years old. So they, they took him everywhere, all around the world, trying to get treatment for this little boy. And, and you know, he was my son's best friend and all this. And so my, they were playing baseball together. Well, of course, this little boy couldn't play, but I drove him. He went with me the four-hour drive to one of the playoff games that, my, that the boys were playing in, my son. And, and so he sat in the dugout with them. Mm -hmm. And by two weeks later, for their next game, he was already gone. And so he oh. got to get one playoff game, and then he was gone. But at that playoff game, that next one that we went to, they, the boys were losing. Like my, my boys, our team was losing like 
five by, by five five runs. Yeah. And um, a storm just came up out of nowhere and it rained. And so it caused the game to be put on hold for a little bit. When the boys came back out, I saw a rainbow around the sun. So you figure it's just the water that's coming with the light and that's what you're gonna see, right? So I see the rainbow around the sun. And I looked at my mom and I said, that's probably Aaron because this little boy's name was Aaron, right? And so those boys came out of that dugout. Now there are five things behind, they're in the ninth inning and they have two outs. So the things aren't looking good and it's just rained and the field's wet. Somebody did a grand slam. We ended up winning that game. I felt cold chills and that rainbow never left the sun. Oh my God. And I went down on the field and I found my, my son and I gave him a hug and he's like, mom, he goes, guess who was here? I said, who? He goes, Aaron. Oh my God. And he was, now this, he was 16 years old at that point in time. So he had a God shot. And I said, how do you know that? Because I was feeling it. He's like, oh, I felt his presence. He was like right with me. He goes, he caused us to win. Oh my God. And I was just like, isn't that amazing? <laughs> yes, I love you so know, rainbows and butterflies and, and all of these transformational signs that people get and see. And you know, the sad thing was for about, I don't know, 15 years after that first encounter I told you guys about in the beginning, mm -hmm. I took a detour and I wasn't even paying attention to any of it. You know, yeah. it was happening and I was just like, oh, isn't that a cool coincidence? Yeah. <laughs> not realizing that it's not a coincidence. It's a God, God incident you know, which is kind of cool. A God incident. I love that. That's yeah. Actually, I'm going to tell you another rainbow one. Um, my marriage in 2002 to my ex, who I <clears throat> turned into love and gold, even though in every marriage and every relationship, only the good remains, by the way, that's all that remains. That's what's solid and real. But, um, and I've also turned a lot of comedy into the craziness of that marriage, but we had this beautiful outdoor wedding at the Saddle Peak ranch the saddle ranch way on malibu and it's this arbor and beautiful and it had been raining for days and it was muddy and my ex-husband wanted my husband wanted to my fiance at the time wanted me to let his big german shepherd be the ring bearer and i kept saying no because he'll run off and see us a squirrel he'll run off with the rings it'll be all muddy <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had this glorious day right after all these heavy rains and it was, it was in this wooden beautiful place in the woods. And everyone in the audience, in the, in the chapel part of the room, which is outdoors by the way, as soon as my, fa his, my father had died, his mother had died and my brother had, all, had died. So all three of them, we put a rose on each of their chairs at the very front. And everyone gasped at a certain point when the minister mentioned my brother, his mother, and my father, because they, a rainbow came out at that very moment. And one wow. of them sent me the picture. She says, can you believe that rainbow? And I went, I didn't see it because I was doing my vows, all, about to do the vows, but that was really cool. It's as if they were here with us. And, that is so awesome. Oh my God, the rainbow. I have another bizarre experience. A friend of mine, um, her father, her father, her brother was a Navy, Navy SEAL in Iraq, and he was killed in a roadside bomb. Mm. And she, her father lives in Laguna, and they were all at Laguna at the beach house on the beach, holding hands a month after his death on his birthday. And they were all just praying 
and none of them really believe in the occult or any of this kind of stuff. They weren't into science, they're Presbyterians, you know. So suddenly, and he's a Navy SEAL, they're saying, I wish we could know he's okay. And at that moment, a SEAL, a sea lion, knock from the rocks right on their cove right there, came flopping over to their circle. Wow. She, they were all laughing. Immediately the father went, oh my God. If God doesn't have a sense of humor, or if our, you know, our son didn't have a sense of humor. Because I think you get these beautiful little moments where we realize life is eternal and there is no death. I know there's no death. But it just feels like the things we need, we just need these things. Maybe it's a, it, it can't be a human incarnation because it's happened to too many people. And the butterflies, the, the major one I've heard from many people. Mm -hmm. the vision of the butterfly and they know it's their child you know they know it's the loved one because a butterfly represents a spiritual plastic surgery or a transformation from a cocoon into this beautiful creature you know mm -hmm. a, rebirth, a rebirth absolutely that and pennies i mean i've heard a lot of stories about pennies and oh, awesome. um i have too uh, so, I mean, you know, I actually had an experience with a penny, and this goes back to my sister-in-law. I think sometimes when you have a really deep connection with somebody that passes on, um, I think that there's, I, I don't know if anybody's ever seen that movie, The Shack, or read that book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's an incredible it, book. Which is incredible. And when it came out as a movie, I went to see that, and it was an incredible movie, um, equally as good. But it showed kind of in the end of that movie, which was more, I was able to see, you know, understand a little bit better, that the person that was still living was in the cave and the waterfall was coming over the entrance to the cave and they could see into this area that was just beautiful where his little girl who had died was out there playing and oh, he got yeah. to see that. And so it's almost like that's the thin, that's how thin the veil is between our loved ones and us. You know, but sometimes when we get bogged down in the heaviness of everyday living and life and jobs and careers and negative thinking and just being in that negative spot, we block that. Exactly. We block, you know, we block it from ourselves. It's the way we think. We and, uh, yeah, absolutely. And so back to the penny thing, um, shortly after Michelle had passed away, I know butterflies was her thing on her feet and I started getting pennies all the time getting pennies, just coming from nowhere. And this was a really kind of creepy one, actually. Um, if you can see my watch, because I'm a practitioner, I always have a watch on and I always usually wear a bracelet with it, right? Huh. So I was in, I had gone into church in the middle of the afternoon and my husband at the time had gone with me. And I said, I just need to go in here and pray for Michelle. I just feel this need to pray, right? So it was only him and I, mm -hmm. there was nobody else in the church. The, the pews were just wooden pews, nothing on them. We took nothing into that church. And it's like July, so you don't really have anything with you. Mm -hmm. And I went in, no purse, no, no nothing. I go in and I kneel. He kneels. He sets back down. There's nothing on this seat, right? And when I sat back and I put my hands down to kind of set back, I felt this thing in the palm of my hand. And I thought, oh, my bracelet broke, you know, because there was, <laughs> I was like, my bracelet just broke. And when I lifted up my hand, because I was a little sweaty or tears or it was wet somehow. And when I lifted up my hand, there was a penny in the palm of my hand. And <laughs> I went like this 
and I got, I got scared. I really did get scared. And I looked at him and I said, oh, where did it come from? He's like, it wasn't there. I don't know. He goes, this is weird, right? But once again, pennies from heaven, it just appeared. Oh my God, I got chills. I got chills. Yeah. So. I had the same thing happen in her shower. She, pennies would appear on the soap dish thing. After the, the, the boyfriend, the husband died that she was with for 13 years. And oh so she God. was getting pennies. Yeah. In the weirdest and, and, places. <laughs> and see, God, you know what? Our, and, and I like how you say God has a sense of humor, right? Because I think he meets us where we're at. What I've learned in this journey is if, if I go one step forward towards the good, towards the higher power, towards the universe, whatever you want to call that, whatever you in your mind can envision that, if you just take a step towards that, it's like it comes 10 steps closer to you. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yes. And, and I just, and I think to myself, I mean, I look at you and I, and I think, here I am doing God shots, just journaling, journaling. And I know Matthew McConaughey just put a book out that's called Green Lights. Oh, I love it. That's right. That, is from, that I picked it up just because I wanted to read it, but it's, it's from his journal. It's from things that he's journaled. I love and it's it. a really, really cool book about how when something happens in life, it's a green light or it's a red light, you know, and it's just yeah. really a cool way to look at it. I really like that. And so that's kind of how I feel about my life too. I look at us and it's like, here I am. And we're in West Virginia journaling, talking about God shots. Just that's my life, whatever that is. And then you and I connect through that. Isn't that weird? I love it. Because yeah. I, this is a collaborative thing. I never like, I, I don't think that we're supposed to own an idea as big as this. I think it's something we need we to share and collaborate on to make it bigger. Because it's Absolutely. something that help people. And, and I just want to share, I want to hear more and more and more of these stories because it gives evidence. And maybe we need that kind of evidence. We need evidence. I had a neon sign coincidence when I got sober. It was so huge. I've told it before many times in meetings. I don't know if I've told it to you. I don't remember it. If you oh. told me. I, I might have, but um, it, it, it's, it's elaborate because all my life I had this, uh, I had Barbie dolls. I love Barbie dolls. <laughs> when yeah, I was and here I was actually an inventor and a little kind of a boyish girl. I was a, I was more into adventure, imagination and ideas than lipstick, makeup and fashion. I was really into creating, but my mother kept putting me down in the chair and going, comb your hair. We got to make you look pretty. And being pretty was exhausting. I thought, is this what girls are about? Just having to get your hair done all the time. But I finally succumbed to her will and I got this, the original Barbie Ken and Midge and the Barbie yeah. dream house at a certain <laughs> age. You know? And I began, like I had them making out. I had Ken and Barbie on top of each other kissing. And, <laughs> and I had the original Ken with the fuzzy, he had hair and he made a fuzz, actual fuzz, and his arm came off. So it was like, I have one of the really old ones, the vintage. And I had a bubble cut redhead Barbie. And I went to college. I said, mom, whatever you do, never give away my Barbies. And she was a clean freak, had OCD. She was extremely abusive. I have to say I love her, but a very abusive mother. And for many reasons, I mean, I had acne. I told you this part, I think. I had really bad acne in high school and I wasn't allowed to date ever, very strict parents. And my mother saw me combing my hair, which was very long. I had long, beautiful, wavy chestnut hair. I was combing it against my cheeks to plaster it, cover the acne. For my first big date at 16 to the junior pro, it was the biggest night of my life. And it was the day before. And she saw me 
And she said, you think you're pretty with that long hippie hair. And she grabbed my hair. And all I remember was being yanked and this big pair of scissors, garden shears came out of nowhere. And she chopped it off above my ears like a pixie cut, leaving every pimple exposed. And I was, I looked like a freak. I mean, and I think I blacked out at one point. And I just remember her falling to her knees, begging forgiveness in a very maudlin display. And I thought, I'm not going to ever go on another date again. I'm certainly not going back to school like this. And my father brought, I wore scarves and babushkas to school. My dad brought a wig home from Japan, a long, silky, black Japanese wig. And I, I started finding ways to cover it up for the senior year. But that was pretty traumatizing. And my poor mother, God bless her, we didn't know she was bipolar at the time. And I have had miracles through forgiveness. But anyway, the first, um, my first year going off to college in Boulder, I said, mom, whatever you do, do not give away the Barbies or the, this Barbie dream house. I'm putting it in the attic in the corner. First time I come back from college, they're gone. I didn't need those old things. I gave them away. And I just couldn't get over that resentment. I carried that around for 20 years. And then finally, I mean, I let her have it. I never could forgive her. There, Barbie came in the, Barbie was in the news all the time for the Barbie musical. The vintage Barbie went up in value. I want to give them to my kids. I kept turning the screw. Every time I was mad, I could bring that up. And we'd had our toxic relationship through the years, but cut to my first day walking into a recovery meeting. I'm incognito, blubbering, crying, wearing sunglasses. I don't know how I got there. I had almost dropped my baby down the stairs in a blackout the night before, and I'm at this meeting, and I, my hand shot up when they said, are there any alcoholics present? And it shot up without my permission, and I remember thinking, I'm giving up, I'm surrendering. That was my first surrender, it was my first prayer. And at that point, I just cried and cried a river, and a woman said to me, let's go home and talk. All the women came over and just enveloped me in love, so much love in that room. And I admitted that I was out loud, I had a problem. And this woman took me home and she sat with me in my garden and she didn't know anything about my story. I never shared it with anyone. She said this to me, she goes, Lydia, you're gonna overcome every resentment you ever had in this program. For example, I overcame a lifelong resentment against my mother for giving away my Barbies. And I looked at her like, am I on candid camera? Am I on punked? What? And I had chills going down my spine. I think I've told you the story, but it was like, that is a coincidence that's uncanny. And from that day, I've never had a craving to drink since. I felt like God was so completely in my life. I had been off track for years, and I was suddenly snapped back into divine alignment where I was supposed to be. Right. And I had hundreds of these God shots after that, hundreds. I had so many that I wrote them all in a journal. And that's when I started to decide to do this as a, to share these things, you know, that was my very first big one. Well, I have to tell you what, like I'm sitting here and I'm trying not to cry because my eyes are getting real misty and I'm just trying to keep it back because you're not going to believe this, but my mother did the same thing to me. What? The Barbie dolls. Oh my God. No, she did. She did. I had the whole, the whole thing like you had. And that was, I used to, <laughs> Wow. I used to take those Barbie dolls too, because I lived on what they called Cemetery Road. And there was literally two cemeteries on this road. I mean, it wasn't a creepy neighborhood or anything, yeah. but it was just, that was the name. 
<laughs> and I used to take my dolls to the cemetery and put them on gravestones and sit there and just pray that they would come to life because I wanted to have little people friends. Oh, <laughs> And I just, I didn't have, I had two brothers. I didn't have sisters and I wanted to have sisters so bad. And I was hoping that these dolls would come to life. They were, they were so important to me. And same thing. I went to college, came home for my first break and everything was gone. And her response to me was, your brother needed to move into that bedroom. We needed to get rid of the junk. Oh my God. The same thing. And, and, but you know what? I got to say that somewhere that memory was buried inside of me because I think I still have the resentment. <laughs> oh, how funny. I don't think I've ever gotten rid of that one. <laughs> For me, it was, it was the thing that I had. It was a big neon sign coincidence that was almost too Disney-like. And it's because I just fought with her the day before. And the day after, I surrender. I do this big prayer. I'm giving up drinking. I'm a radioactive drunk. I can't quit. I'm, I'm at my wit's end. And it was so weird for that to come up. I've never heard it since. So you just now said that it happened to you. I've never heard it since. I've never run into that woman again. It's almost like an angel. It's a, it's a gotcha. It's an absolute uncanny synchronicity. It is. It certainly is. And, and you know, like I, I'm doing, I don't know if you want to call it work on myself, um, but mm -hmm. I'm trying, you know, I just know, I know now that there's more dimensions to this life than just the 3D that we live in, like our world. And exactly. so when you get when you get a taste of the other dimension, the fourth dimension, if you will, yeah, it's you want to go there. You want to stay there. It's a really cool place to be, you mm -hmm. know. But to to get there, you have to work on cleaning up your own vibrations and your own stuff. Right. And having resentments and being angry and all of that does not fit in to, you know, being able to elevate yourself or be elevated to the next level. And I stop myself all the time. And so it's interesting because I've been asking God, show me, what do I need to change? Show me what I need to know. And it keeps coming up that I need to back into my parents because in all reality, they gave me the best gift ever. And that was life. Yeah. God chose those two people to come together to create me. Right. So for that, I need to be grateful. And I think that's the thing. Um, that I have found that counteracts all the negativity is just being grateful. Oh, wow. That's, you're exactly right. And sometimes right. it's hard. Yes. But you know what? When I really think about it, I think what a wonderful life. Truthfully, if you, I mean, if you have nothing else, when I first walked, I'll never forget this. When I first walked into the rooms, I maybe had a couple months sober. And for anybody that's ever gotten sober, or has thought about getting sober, it's hard because you're giving up your best friend. You're changing a life. Your, your lifestyle is going to change. Everything's scary, right? Yeah. And I remember thinking, I came in in April. So April, May, June, July, August, March, September, eight months. So I was eight months sober, not a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was gratitude, 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 because it was November. <laughs> it was just like gratitude. Yeah, ever. And I thought, oh, I hate these meetings. I hate that word. I didn't understand it, right? And this one day, a gentleman looked at me that had like 18 or 19 years. And I, he's like, you don't seem very happy. And I'm like, well, I don't have much to be happy about. You know, like I'm not working. I'm not drinking anymore. I don't have friends anymore. You know, I'm kind of here. I'm not there. I felt like Stretch Armstrong. And he put his hat on and he put his coat on and he turned around and looked at me and he goes, 
you're stuck in air, aren't you? And I looked at him, and all that went through my mind was, you're a smart ass. <laughs> but now when I look back on that moment in time, I mean, to be breathing without the help of a ventilator or something like that, we need to be grateful for that, right? I do. I mean, I need to be grateful. I need to be grateful that I have eyes to see you and a mouth that speaks to you and this technology where you can be in California and I'm in West Virginia and it's like amazing. Amazing that we can communicate and collaborate and, and share. Yes. yes. Yeah. And there's so many people, I got to be honest with you, when I share, when these podcasts are completed and I share them with people, now, of course, they're people that I know. And they're passing them on to people that they know. So it's kind of like on the same circle. But the response is amazing. It's like, it's uplifting. I like talking about this. I have God shots. I want to share. Like people want to do this. Oh, yeah. Make a list of people and bring them on the show. We, should, we could even, there's several other women and men that I could bring on any time. We should start doing that. But I love to hear yes. these stories. Yes. And so I just, I just think this is a real exciting new adventure that it's time. It's, it's time for people to start talking about these kind of things versus the real negative things. Because if we start going towards the light, the rest will happen. Exactly. You know? It always you know? does. I love that quote that I think I invented. And I tell it to you almost every week, every time I see you. Withdraw your attention from your enemies and they expire from neglect. And your, wor your enemies are your worries and fears because we're not supposed to be sitting here Worrying, you're supposed to be basking in, in the love of life and enjoying yeah. life. Joy. Yes. That's why I know comedy comes from God because I've gotten some hilarious moments in the middle of the worst moment. I'll burst out laughing and I go, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always really nice when that happens. It's so that's cool. for sure. And also, God doesn't have to be a scary concept to a lot of people. I always say, I never had a very a fundamentalist religious upbringing at all. I wasn't Catholic and I wasn't Baptist. Um, but there's room for everyone who wants to believe in good and the power of love, which is really what the big, great peacemaker said, love one another. The great right. peacemaker was Christ, the Prince of Peace. And he gave us the peace that passes all understanding. And his basic lesson and commandment was love one another. And basically God is love. So whenever I'm feeling loving, even towards someone I don't like that much, or I turn my heart around out of the reasons don't even have to be there. It's like I suddenly, I suddenly turn soft towards someone who was mean to me. That is an inhuman experience. It's a supernatural experience to turn your heart to love and to forgive. It is. Yes. It is. And I'll tell you what, I just had a woman share with me the other day. Um, because I'm trying to get through a couple of things and people that, you know, that you just have different feelings for. And she's like, this is what I want you to do for two weeks. You say, God bless your person. God change me. That's the prayer. <laughs> God bless so, every day. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and God can be good orderly direction for those people that are atheists and they're trying to explore and seek a new to seek what is God, good orderly direction, group of drunks is a good one, um, yep. the great outdoors, or I love the word God because it, it represents to me all good all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in a fear and punishing fire and brimstone anthropomorphic man in the sky. I believe in the universal consciousness of love and the power and the force, the force that always wants to do the right thing and help your neighbor. That's correct.
do unto others as you would do to yourself. Mm-hmm. And even love those people that you find to be not on your side, you know? I mean, that's the true test, really. It's easy to love those who love you back. For sure. And, you know, I think that prayer is very powerful and that God shots things are very powerful. And it's like yesterday, I had to do some disciplinary action um, with somebody that I work with. Mm-hmm. And that's never easy to have to do that. And it, But when I brought forth the facts, I mean, I went into this meeting and she was so defensive and so attacking and everything was wrong with me. Like, no matter what I said to her, it was my fault, you know, you're a bad leader, this when I got off of that disciplinary call, like I felt like this big, I'm like, okay, you know? And then the interesting thing was I get a message from her last night and said, can I please call you tomorrow morning? And I said, sure you can, because now, you know, I got to play the role of the director and be humble and nice, even though you want to say, do you realize some of the things you just yeah. said? <laughs> yeah. And, um, but when she called me today, she just said, I would like to apologize to you. Good. Wow. You know? And so that's, when you act in a loving, kind manner, I believe that's what comes back to you. Oh, wow. I keep, it's so hard to do when you're in the moment of anger. It it's is. such a wise thing to do. It's so, it's so humbling and it makes everyone, it softens the energy in the room. Even it when does. you're driving, my son even said to me once, Mom, why are you rushing up to behind people and so anxiously trying to pass them? Just relax. He says, drive a few paces slower and you'll find out everyone around you will start driving normally. And it works. It's like you calm down. <laughs> and also when you smile at people, it gives them hope that the world is okay. Exactly. It's like if you're smiling, that means something is okay in the world, you know. It could be and I think down. I think even with this whole situation we have going on now with the masks, you can tell when somebody's smiling, you can see it in their eyes. Oh, totally. You know? And, um, you know, I, I just know that so many people are struggling. I mean, so many people are out of work. It's mm-hmm. Christmas. There, there's a lot of difficulty going on for people right now. Um, and, and we just have to have faith that through all of that, that the higher power is in control of this and all things work together for good. Yes. But Romans 8, 28 tells us, and I hang on to that verse because it's happened for me time and time again. Something can seem really, really horrible. And it turns out really, really good. Always. Oh, always. That's the theme of my life. And the bizarre journey of my life is that something good always comes out of something bad or that appears to be bad. And yeah. actually, I had a, a, a lot of financial God shots. We could do that in another show. But where I surrendered my money troubles and my, I went through a couple of years of real hardship. And I was embarrassed to talk about it. And now I feel like it would really help people. But I That's totally great. leaned on the higher power and on the universal love and what I call God. And it was amazing what happened. Some so mingling miracles. See, that's, I've had some too. So I think that's a great topic is financial. I think yeah. that's really cool. And if anybody listens to this God, God shot podcast and wants to be part of, please feel free to reach out to us because Absolutely. help grow it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm posting the, our email in the, um, underneath the YouTube channel, and then I'll also post it on the Godshot network. Perfect. Perfect. Because I would love to hear about Godshots from around the world. That's yes. my goal. <laughs> Nurses, hospice, cancer Godshots, school teachers Godshots. You, as being a nurse, God, you yes. must get the pick of everything right now. 
there, there's, there's a lot. I mean, it's everyday work God shots. It's children God shots. It's, it's all of it. I mean, you can come up with God shots for everything, every situation. Teenagers. You know, <laughs> <a> teen, teenagers. <laughs> I just say teenagers are not nice people, but maybe that's nature's way of making them into temporary jerks. So we don't miss them so much when they're gone. <laughs> maybe because if they had to remain as cute as toddlers for the rest of their life they'd never leave the house they would never go out and start their lives that's true like, keep them prisoner and also the masks and the ugly look at it it covers our wrinkles Those well that's true <laughs> it does it does yes is everything uh how is everything in your part of the world and with the um, well, I'll tell you what, the, the COVID is resurged here. Okay. So probably on all floors of our hospital, half of the people are COVID. We've lost a few people have died from like double, double pneumonia, COVID lung. Um, yeah. So I think everybody's starting to get fearful and crawl back into their homes and stuff. And right before Christmas, that's kind of sad. What is that? Uh -huh. How about out there? Same thing. We're not, we're under a lock. We're not allowed to go out and have relatives we did last weekend to see the grand new brand new grandson that my spouse has and he's got a my partner my boyfriend um he has a brand new grandson that'll this turned a year old cool and he's adorable but we're all safe we all everyone's been tested we don't mingle outside the house without a mask and still you don't know though because i heard of a friend of mine who's blind wrote me a letter saying he was in his home for six months and he got it yeah, she just don't know. So this is a very weird thing. What is this thing? The no a novel virus. Yeah, it's, it's, it mutates pretty quickly. And it's really odd how, so, I mean, I have friends that have had it and stayed with their husband in the same house, quarantined for two weeks, and the husband never got it. Oh, wow. It, it's just the weirdest thing. You know, and some people, like, I know one man that got it. He, he just went to get tested because he flew to Florida and was down there. And part of the part of the deal when you come back is you have to be tested. He was positive. He never had one symptom, not a headache, not aches, not nothing, no fever. And he was tested. He was positive. And there's now an antibody test out there. And he did the antibody test and he has the antibodies. So he got through it beautifully. So if you have the antibodies, you're, you're safe, you're immune. Well, you're more immune than if you don't. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's whenever you get a vaccine and the vaccination's coming. I mean, I was talking to doctors and by the end of this month, it should be available for healthcare workers and elderly. And then starting into January for everybody, it's a two shot series. And, um, you know, they say the antibodies, it takes a while. It takes about four weeks for antibodies to engage in your system. That comes from the vaccine. We're from having it. We're from having it. Oh. Yeah, so again, say that again, it comes from once you have the vaccine, the antibodies start grow, start building. They develop, they develop in your system, yes. But it takes about four weeks for that to happen once you've had the vaccine, is what I'm being told. And um, for people that have actually had COVID, they're showing, I mean, when they're having the antibody test, they're showing positive for antibodies. So, you know, it's kind of like having chickenpox once you get it you get the antibodies and you're good, you know? Oh, good. Thank goodness. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I know, right? Thinking, you know, only good is contagious. If you, if you look at it, God, God put God in there somewhere. It's, it's really weird for me because I don't like to buy into disease and I don't like to dwell on disease. 
I honestly don't when the less I dwell on all my aches and pains in my body, the quicker they disappear. Right. I going to a party once and I remember somebody was saying, Oh, my sciatica, the other person, my arthritis, the other person said, I got, you know, and then she said, what, what, what ailments do you have? And I went, I don't think about them. So I don't really have any, and it doesn't, right. they're that easy to dispel, but a lot of it's, we dwell so much on our misery, you know, the deliberate manufacture of misery, which is a great part of the big book. Yeah, I, I do agree with that for sure. There's for something sure. about quantum physics I'm very intrigued by and in that consciousness that we create a lot in our, in our thinking and that we can really unthink it. We can stop. You know, there's actual research studies out there, which I find very fascinating. And one of them was about one of the research studies that I read was about somebody going to work and they were trying to see the power of the mind on illness. Right. And this was the study mm -hmm. and person went to work perfectly healthy, just like you or I dressed, ready to go for the day, walked in, and part of the, the study was somebody looked at them and said, oh, how are you doing? You don't look real good today. And people kept saying that to them. And by the end of the day, they had developed a temperature oh and they didn't feel well. That's it. Now, that's because the people saying, you don't look good. You don't look good. You don't look good. So what we, the, the words that come out of our mouth contain a lot of power. Wow. A huge amount of power. It's almost hypnotic. We're suggestible. We're mesmerized by constant bad news and constant ailments and the talking about we run relay races in all these diseases names like relay for cancer which is good to raise money but at the same time we're making gods out of these things exactly and we really should diminish our focus on them our obsession with them you know that's correct one thing to cure find a cure which is great and we're given doctors and tools and nurses to help us but we don't need to make gods out of them out of cancer no i agree with that well what a great talk um there's so much more i just think a lot of people i was i was reading this great book on writing because i was going through writer's block a few years ago which is really pervasive for writers because you want to distract yourself all the time i'd rather vacuum than do writing i do things i <laughs> i clean windows i've never done done before just to avoid writing the thing i want to be writing because it's a perfectionism and it's part of the pride. Um, when I do my four step, it's part of pride because I'm a perfectionist because I'm afraid that if I'm not perfect, I won't be valued. And that's a false pride, by the way. But there's a famous book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And he went into deep alcoholism for years over being unable to write that dream inside him, this beautiful story he had. He couldn't sit down and write. And he did everything but. He even took job as a taxi driver. He avoided it for 10 years. He married the wrong woman. And he finally said, he got back to it and he started praying. And he went to the woods in a cabin and he wrote that masterpiece that was inside him. And it was called The Legend of Bagger Vance. And he won an Academy Award for that movie once wow. it was made with Brad Pitt, I think is in it. But he what was the name of it? The, the, the movie he wrote and the book he wrote is called The Legend of Bagger Vance. Okay. About golf, but it's about a golf in Scotland and some amazing story about a man who follows his dreams and has an angel on his shoulder. So what he discovered was that if all of us were to do that one thing inside of us, whether it's be a painter, a writer, a baker, or create something, or, that, or be a nurse or a doctor, that one thing you're, that drives you creatively, 
or to help others, we would probably have less disease because a lot of us are nursing guilt and remorse and emotional agony over unfinished business, dreams we never, we never finished our dreams. Actors who were told you'll never be an actor, you don't have a good voice, or you, that teacher that told you you weren't good enough early on. Right. Um, but we're so easily swayed by the negative review and we give up our dream and then we settle for very mundane lives and you can still have a beautiful life on a farm somewhere and you can still follow your dream but he thinks we wouldn't need psychiatrists or doctors as much if we all followed that one me the muse inside of us that's really cool that that's really great advice actually yeah yeah one thing so, to get your heart to do. Yeah. So for anybody young that's listening, that has that desire, then do follow your heart versus, you know, just going along with the flow. Because, you know, I know growing up, it was kind of like, you know, when I was 20, that's been a while ago, it was kind of like the deal was get married and have children. Yeah. You know, yeah. and there was no dreams. I mean, you didn't, you didn't get that option, you know, at least I didn't. And so it was kind of like, do your own thing. And I mean, the reason I became a nurse, and this is quite honest, is because one day, I mean, I, I had gone to Morgantown to go to school to WVU, and I didn't do too well my first year because I spent more time drinking than anything because I was finally released from the home and I was on my own and could do my own thing. And so that didn't turn out very well. So then when I came home, and I'm sure my parents were angry with me that that had happened. And um, I just said there was a community college and I said, you know, I'll just go to, I'll just go to school to be a nurse. And my dad said, well, you can't do that. You're not smart enough. That's oh. all it took. That's all it took for me oh. to say, oh, yes, I can. Oh, good for you. So, but was it really a dream? You know what I'm saying? Or was it just something that I did out of spite? Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah. But it's lasted for quite some time. So here I am. <laughs> well, I wanted to be an actor desperately because I'd seen a Disney, all the Disney movies, which I'm really dating myself, Haley Mills of all things. The Parent Trap with Haley Mills and the Moon Spinners. And I was like, and also, because when you have a lot of abuse in your home and you're not loved unconditionally and you're told you have to be perfect, you escape. You think, if I seek fame, I'm seeking the adoration of strangers. If I get, I can come to a bigger city and get love from many people. It's a very hollow dream to want to be famous. But I think that drove me in the beginning and also Disneyland, going to Disneyland and just being obsessed with make-believe. But that was my dream to be an actor. And I did go for it right away. That's awesome. It was a miracle that I actually had the courage to go for it, kind of, because the, the odds of making it in LA as an actor, now that I know, you know, it's like one in a million that get into a series or a TV show. And so many cute people come out here and they, they're only here because they're cute and they're pretty. But you have to have more of a drive and a passion for the art. But yeah, well, you had the substance. Obviously, you had substance behind you the whole entire way, you know? Maybe just pain. Pain is the touchstone of all spiritual progress. So in the beginning, it might have been pain and, you know, a deflated ego. And then I had to learn the hard way on the other side of the other side of the crash and burn is when I started all the growth. That, well, that's how we all are, right? Yeah. <laughs> you got to right? go through the pain to get to the, yeah to get to the good parts. A lot That's of people sure. I know are, are coming into their second dream right now. A lot of actors I know who are on hit series are now doing their dream. Donnie Most from Happy Days is now becoming a singer 
like a, a band jazz singer. He's touring, he was touring the country up the past five years with a big band, like right. Dizzy Gillespie. And other ones are doing their art and they're starting photography or they're starting acting careers late in life or like us, Godshots, we can do this amazing real dream. Yeah, that's awesome. And I have a blind yeah. friend, a girl who went blind. I hate to interrupt, sorry. Um, she was in her 50s when she found out she had retinitis pigmentosa and tried every cell, cell transplants. And she didn't, wasn't able to get all those things going because they were brand new methodologies. But she was too embarrassed to, to be blind. And she didn't want to use a cane or have a dog. God bless her. She was a beautiful, is a beautiful woman. Worked for Aaron Spelling Productions as an assistant to Duke Vincent. And I went through the beginning of her blindness with her, and it was really quite a, a, ter a terrible thing for a, a person that beautiful who hadn't really gotten married yet or met the one, or she felt like she was just starting her life, her second part of her life, and she's blind. But she started a podcast called Second Vision. Now, mm. if your first vision fails, that first dream you had, the second vision, and it was this amazing way to, to, to find gold in, in her blindness. And she did. And now she met the love of her life, too, so she's fine now. But oh, I, mean, cool. I mean, she found love finally. And, That's but, very, very cool. Yeah. And so so all, all good things come to those that wait. Is that the saying? <laughs> yes. And that persist. And persist, yes. Perseverance. That's been my word for four years. Persevere. Persevere. With yeah. joy, though. Not with the labored, nothing, you know, nothing is that hard if you add the ingredient of God or the great, the levity, you know? Thanks for that. Thanks for that reminder, because that's true, you know? And sometimes it can get very heavy. Yeah. And, you know, but and, and here's me. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I just still will always have that, that I want to feel good thinking. <laughs> when oh, yeah. I have those God shots and it just feels so wonderful and so light and so airy. And you just know that everything's right in the world. I want to stay on that mountaintop. <laughs> it's like, just leave me here. I'm good. <laughs> and then you got to come back to your real life job and your real life and everything that you do. And, you know, so it's okay though. But you know what? It's easier. You're right. If you, if you infuse this love of life in everything and go, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this hard project into something fun. I'm going to do this with love. And even the Buddhist religion, they actually say in Buddhism, they say chop wood, carry water to make tea. It would be this mundane task of chopping the wood to make the fire to, to boil the tea in the old days. And they said, you do your duty with a loving heart. It's a holy purpose. You have every act you're doing, especially for someone else, has a holy purpose behind it. It's to, oh. and to serve. And so one of the, the joke lines I wrote in my book originally was, I read somewhere, I think it was that great philosopher, Richard Gere, who said, all my suffering is a result of thinking about myself too much. When I'm helping others, I'm happy. I wish I'd heard the sooner before I was a selfish jerk for so many years. But, you know. Right. I mean, the joke there is that Richard Gere is not a great philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a Buddhist, and I heard that he he turned into a Buddhist, and it gave him great peace in life, even through that urban gerbil. You remember the crazy urban myth about the gerbil? I don't. It's too gross. Oh. <laughs> you might remember if you think about it. Um, 
I'll have to look. I'll have to look it up because I don't. <laughs> nationally embarrassed by a horrible rumor that went around about him years ago. I remember he was so calm about it. And Barbara Walters interviewed him, and he just his his Buddhism gave him such peace. He never even addressed it. He didn't give it any attention. It was a terrible sexual rumor, and it just disappeared. But for years, it was like an urban myth that was running around. I don't want to talk about it on the air. Anyway. Wow. Okay. But, but that's good. I mean, he just kept his composure. And when you do that, it's just kind of like everything flow, flows by. And that reminds me, like somebody just told me this week, and it just made so much sense to me. You can't step in the same river twice. Oh, I love that. Right? That's and I had, to, I had to think about that. But the water keeps moving. So whatever, whatever has happened just keeps moving. So you can go back to the same spot and it's different. Oh, I love yeah. that. Right? Isn't that cool? I love that. Yes. So I try to remember that, that, that whatever's happening today, I'm not going to step in that same river tonight, tomorrow. Once it's gone, it's gone. And that's why, you know, leave the past in the past and stay. People always say to me, keep your head where your feet are because that's exactly what God wants you to be doing right now. I love it. Yeah. Or if you have one foot in tomorrow and one foot in yesterday, you're pissing on today. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And today's the gift. That's for it's sure. Present. I love that word, the present. Yeah, it's, the present. So, it's so true what you said about gratitude because it's the quickest way to pray. And for people who don't know how to quickly get out of a, a depressed moment, harness your, ha, claim dominion over your reality right now and just say, God's in charge. Love's in charge. I refuse to, I'm not going to succumb to depression right now. Every moment is a brand new moment. And all we have is the present moment. We really only have this moment. And it's like, I may as well be happy. That's right. Because you have a choice. We have a choice. And, you know, like I said, sometimes, sometimes that's hard. I mean, just for me, sometimes it's hard you know, like you get something that happens and maybe you get blindsided or maybe something doesn't go your way or something isn't working just right. And I really need to focus on just all of the goodness in my life. And, and, you know, somebody had me do a gratitude list. I said, when you wake up in the morning, you have to do 10 things that you're grateful for. And you can put down your children, your grandchildren, but each day it has to change. You have to add one new thing. And it's amazing when you sit and do that, how that starts your day in a way that's just so productive, you know, because in reality, I have a lot to be grateful for. Right. Sometimes I poo-poo away, you know? It makes so much sense that whatever you think about all day long, you become, or you go in that direction of your thoughts. Right. So why not think thoughts that are glorious and happy and joy producing? And your emotions have a great effect on health. So if you're miserable and you're, and you're thinking about miserable things, but the gratitude list is really important. And I heard of a woman who had cancer and she was advised to think of five things, 10 things to be grateful for and add a new one each day for 90 days. She drowned out any thought opposed to good. And at the end of 90 days, her cancer was gone. Now it's a true story. It's in the Lancet Medical Journal. There's another story in the Lancet Medical Journal about a woman who stayed stuck at the age of 18 when she was dumped by her fiance. And she, it's like Miss Havisham in Great Expectations. She never, she never left 
that mind frame that, that the man dumped her. And it was a strange thing. She never aged because she stayed stuck in that time. Mentally, she thought she was the same age. They looked at her body. It's a big story. I think I told it all wrong, but um, it's really your power of your thoughts. I mean, yeah. I think good is, good is the real. So if you're always thinking negative thoughts, I don't think negative thoughts lead to actual damage, but it's like dark is the absence of light. Warmth is the absence of, I mean, cold is the absence of warmth. And in physics, there's a lot there to do with dark and light and cold. I mean, with Einstein, I think he, didn't he say something about if all power is the sun, then blackness. In other words, when you, when you take God out of the equation, the other thing has no power anyway. It's not like you're going to create bad things. The only source of creation is God. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. You know, Deepak Chopra wrote a book entitled God, which, which has a lot of the physics, you know, in it, the metaphysics in it, which was a really fabulous book. And then Joyce Meyer wrote a book that was called Where the Mind Goes, the Man Follows. I love Joyce Meyer and I love Deepak Chopra. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So if you want me to send you those two books, I have them. <laughs> yes, I, I, I want to, I'll get them. I can get them on Kindle. But thank yeah. You. Yeah, so, well, yeah, because I read them back in the day when it was paperback, but I really yeah. enjoy reading that. And I'll tell you, oh, here's, here's a little gush. Oh, this is not a good one, okay? This is, this okay. is one. <laughs> <laughs> but when we were talking about Deepak, so I, I don't know how many years ago this was, maybe, maybe six. And this is when I was first starting my website, Gladshot, very first start of it. I was in Florida, and I talked to a man that, that was friends with a man that, helps produce Deepak Chopra's stuff, all right? Mm -hmm. So, and this man was in New Jersey. So the friend that the acquaintance that I met, he says, I'm gonna set up a meeting with you to go meet this guy, and we're gonna talk about some things with Godshots. I like your concept, right? Mm -hmm. So I go, and now I've never experienced this in my life, so this was new to me. So I go to New Jersey to meet with this man that's a multi-billionaire philanthropist, okay? He meets me at his office and he says, I hope you don't mind eating lunch at my office, but it's a busy day. I'm like, no, that's fine. So I go in here and it's all security. I have to sign in. They're waiting for me. I take this private elevator up to the top floor and he takes me in the boardroom and a butler comes in with gloves on to wait on us for lunch, right? Now I'm not used to that. I'm kind of going, wow, what universe did I descend into, right? So we're talking about God shots and what I wanted to know, you know, what, what, what my interest was, what my plans were. Um, and at that point in time, Lydia, it was so new in my formulated, my, my, my thought patterns. I really didn't know what to formulate to tell him. I didn't know what my plan was. I just knew that I had a lot of God shots. I wanted to write about them. I wanted to talk about them around the world. That's all I simply knew. Right. Mm -hmm. So he says to me at the end of our meeting, he says, I want you to meet Deepak Chopra. He's going to be in New York. I'm going to get, I want you to get there and you're going to, you're going to meet him and just tell him that I sent you. So <laughs> this is embarrassing. So I go to New York. I get, I get to see Deepak Chopra, right? And as I'm walking towards him, in my brain, I'm thinking, this is going to be really valuable. And I hope someday I have an airplane so I can fly around the world and talk about God, right? And I'm thinking about an airplane in my brain. And I get up to him and I introduce myself and I tell him who had sent me and why I was meeting with him. And he looked at me and he goes, this will not work as long as you're thinking about things like airplanes. 
<laughs> and I looked at him and I said, I'm not thinking about an airplane. And he goes, yes, you are. And I was. And so finally I just was like, yeah, I was. And he goes, no, your thoughts have to be towards helping others, oh not about God. what you're going to get yourself. I love that. Yeah. Well, it happened. <laughs> and I left there kind of like humbled or humiliated. I'm not sure what the word is. How did he know you were thinking about getting an airplane? Because he's that in tune with what's around him. Amazing. Yeah. That but, like he, but like he told me, he gets up every day at 4 a.m. just to meditate and just to be with the power of the universe before he ever starts his day. So I got to tell you, I'm a little bit guilty of getting out of bed, going to do my workout. Yeah, I'm listening to positive podcasts or I'm listening to a sermon or I'm trying to pray or do the rosary or something like that. But I don't give my undivided attention to the source. I don't. And I think I need to start doing that. Let's make a pact to do it starting tomorrow morning. What are we going to do? We're going to meditate. Think about airplanes? <laughs> We're going to meditate. <laughs> okay. All right. And because I've heard that even the monks, the Buddhist monks who meditate on love and peace, their brainwaves look different. They have, they've right. gotten rid of neuro neurological defects. They've had, they've had brain studies and they've done scans of people who practice divine meditation. And their brain waves are, are calm and beautiful. Their brains are beautiful. It's well, like, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, heals, heals I think we, I think, you know, here's the scientist in me. So I think we should make this a little bit of a journey and let's figure out what meditation we want to do and how long. And let's actually do it across the nation. You do it. I do it. Okay. And then the next podcast that we come together, we can talk about some of those outcomes. Very good. I love that. Right? I signed up for the 10%, the 10% better meditation. It's um, a recovery. It's a man that was a scientist who discovered meditation as a, it's a phenomenal thing. And they remind you every day at 8 a.m. or whatever you want to set it for. I get a reminder every day and I still don't do it. So I'm <laughs> well, send it, send me the link or send me the name of it and I'll, and I'll get it and I'll purchase it and we'll do the same exact thing cool. and just see what happens. Let's do that. Cause I think I need to calm my brain down a bit and I, I, I plug back into you and got shots. And I, I, I went off the track the past month writing a project, but I didn't do this as much as I should have. I was kind of half in my meetings, not really all there. I need to plug back in. This is like, this is inspiring me again. Talking to you is inspiring me again. Thank you. And it's vice versa, the same thing, but you know what? I don't think it's you and I don't think it's me. I think it's God channeling into this. And saying, okay, girls, you know, I'm here when you're ready. It's just kind of like, but he'll let us dance around and kill ourselves until it's done. Exactly. Exactly. You know? He's there and, waiting. And here's the thing I know. The days that I do that, my days seem to just flow. And everything is good. And everything flows nicely. The days that I get up and I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, by the end of the night, I'm exhausted. Me too. So By the way, I had a, an old cassette tape that I used to carry around. I had a shelf of Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and Emmett yes. Fox, the Unitarian minister who, who wrote the Sermon on the Mount, which was- What was the name? I gave you that book early on or told you to read it. Oh, I have it. I have it. That's what I thought you said. What was his name? Uh, Emmett Fox. Emmett Fox. Yes. I have it downloaded on my phone. Do you think I listen to it very often now? <laughs> That's the greatest book though, Sermon on the Mount. It's the practical application of Christ's teachings 
in yes. real life. Like, how does this work in the world? And it's amazing. Yeah, oh it's amazing. I used to give that book to everybody when I first in, in AA. I used to give it to every newcomer I would meet because I thought they needed this concrete way to put practical tools into effect. That's right. Um, but he, they wrote it. They did a tape together, Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra, about aging backwards, which is the title oh. of the book I was going to write on how to age backwards, healing dementia through humor, nutrition, love, prayer, and the power of touch. Because I did that with my stepfather who died in July. For three years, we had a delightful journey together of dealing with his dementia in hilarious ways. And it was really, it helped him. But anyway, they said there's a tribe in Siberia somewhere, a, a group of people who don't age. And they are so healthy they literally don't age and they keep I'm headed to Siberia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to look it up. I have to find out if I was imagining they said Siberia or was it someplace in maybe Japan, but I'll find it. But apparently their thinking is different. They don't, they, they revere elders as the yeah. wise, wonderful people and being yeah. young is sort of a, a flaw. I mean, it's not as the, the older you are, the better and stronger you become. It's a complete yes. shift of mind. And these From, people are reversing aging. Right. But I mean, in our, in our culture now, it's almost like as you get older, you're discarded, right? Mm -hmm. And being in practice myself as a nurse practitioner and dealing with the, because I, mean, I live in an area that is more elderly than not. Oh. You know, I find when I really take the time to set and just listen, to their stories and listen to their wisdom. I learn a lot. I learned so much, right? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, our generations that are coming up, it's, it's like, there's been so much, um, there's not enough of this. There's not enough of the joy and the Godship. It's not been talked about as much in recent years. Wow. And so therefore, Therefore, those generations are missing that and they're calling it fallacy and it's like nothing exists and they're walking around empty and hollow. Right. You know, looking for the next fix. And that next fix for them is coming in the way of like meth and heroin and things that are creating terrible, terrible societal problems for families and children. And, and the cycle is just really, really not great right now, you know? And so something like this, and I've sent this to, to people that are like in their thirties Oh, good. and they're like, Dar, this is like really a cool thing. You know, nobody's talked to us about this. We don't hear about this. We don't see this on TV. We're, what is this? Wow. I'm so glad you reminded me. I remember thinking about this years ago, like how do you connect with younger people who are in a secular world or a world of, of not really believing in possibility and hope and the limitlessness I've experienced? How do I get that into them without it sounding supernatural, airy, fairy, or hokey? But it actually is so real. It is very tangible. Like this, these conversations. And these conversations, I think. And you know what? Just like we always say, attraction rather than promotion. Right. It's, it's attraction to hear. Like, like, you know, I, I'll tell you what. I had a young lady come here. She had a really, and she was with her this is a long story, but this, this little girl, um, her mom had her when she was in prison, this baby girl. And so my friend that was a caseworker on the case for this woman that was in prison was asked to take this baby and raise her. Right. 
So she took this little girl from prison and raised her for five years until the mom got out of prison. And the mom and dad just, it was drugs, prison, a lot of bad things. And so not even six months ago, my friend bought, brought this girl to my house and she is now 16. Mm. And we were sitting at the table talking and she's like, she calls her Debbie, this woman that raised her. She goes, Debbie tells me that you can tell me about God shots and God and stuff like that. She goes, I don't know anything about it. Right. Wow. So I told her a couple God shots and a couple stories because she's had a very rough life. And uh, so then she said to me, my friend, my friend, Debbie called me. She goes, you made a real um, impression on this little girl. And she's like, because now she calls you the witch lady. <laughs> I want to go see the witch lady again. How does she get all these signs? How does she know this stuff? And so it's like, they're, they're interested. They want to know. They yeah. want to know, you know? So, and it's just a matter of getting it out there and talking. And sometimes it's one person by one person by one person. And then it just starts expanding. Oh gosh. You just, we, I, we've got to do this more consistently. So we're on, we're on a schedule now every yes. week. Every and Thursday. More. Um, uh, right now it's good for this time. One o'clock every Thursday or two o'clock every Thursday. We'll keep two o'clock because that would be, that would be five o'clock my, my time. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Until, until I get into this role and we do something different and then I'm not so tied into my day job. <laughs> but we also have to start reading the ones on your website out loud. And I've got hundreds as well okay. to read out loud. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, Very good. Come up on the screen and I can actually read them. Well, and you know what? I don't know. I don't know how to do that in a Zoom meeting, but I have a GoToMeeting app where I work and I can do a GoToMeeting and I know how to work that and pull up things. And Well, if you can get all of your gotchas on a page, on a Word document or any document, it, and I can show you how to you could put it up on zoom immediately on any document okay. or photo, photo okay photo file so, so website, you could actually have your website running behind this right now and we could share screen yes i'll show you how to do that and then i could be okay that together okay cool yes let's do it awesome so next we can read one of those and um let's start send me the link to the meditation thing because i'm going to start doing this and um, I'll do the same one you're doing. So when it comes down to the scientific facts, let's do the same thing. Let's, I mean, I don't know, how long do you do it for? Those meditations are very quick. They're 10 to 20 minutes. You can schedule it longer. Okay. I have brief ones to start, to get into it. So what, what do you say we start with, 10 minutes yeah, in the morning? Yeah, minutes in the morning. I'll send you the link. Okay. We'll do it at the same time every day. It's a okay. meditation. He talks you through it. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I'm excited to do it. Yeah. Well, it was really lovely seeing you again. So good to see you. And I'm going to see you before Christmas. So I'm excited about that. I know. And I, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll have a better background. I'm going to get this right. <laughs> oh, I'll show you how to get your own virtual background in later I on. will. I will. I was trying to do it in my living room with my real tree and stuff, and I just could not figure it out. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Look, yeah. I can change it right now to anything. Look at that. You see that? I do. Yes. It's kind of silly. Well, how about these? It's okay. There is <laughs> there <you go. laughs> My hair disappears into the... It didn't. It didn't, but, they, but your sweater did. <laughs> like a piece of me. I'm invisible. Yeah. Yeah, I love now, you, Arlene. You're a godsend to me, and you're a godshot. And you are to me, too. And I'm very blessed to have you in my life, and thank you for doing this with me today. You lifted my spirits.
You really did. In mine, you have no idea. So wow. we're going to sign off now, and I will. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to God Chats with Darlene Thank Sperlaza you. and Lydia Cornell. Thank you.